Hello, Hyrock. Welcome to our daily devotional. We're continuing with our walk through the Gospel of Luke and also continuing with a series of passages in which Jesus is squaring off against his religious opponents, the Pharisees. And today we get into a passage where Jesus really gets into it to them. It's often called the woes passage or the woes to the religious leaders passage. So we're going to be there in Luke chapter 11, uh, verses 20, no, 42 through 54. So Luke 11, 42 through 54. Taylor, if you'd read that for us, that would be wonderful. Yeah, I'd be happy to. Let's read the word of the Lord together. What sorrow awaits you, Pharisees? For you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore justice and the love of God. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. What sorrow awaits you, Pharisees? For you love to sit in the seats of honor in the synagogues and receive respectful greetings as you walk in the marketplaces. Yes, what sorrow awaits you? For you are like hidden graves in a field. People walk over them without knowing the corruption they are stepping on. Teacher, said an expert in religious law, you have insulted us too in what you have just said. Yes, said Jesus. What sorrow also awaits you experts in religious law? For you crush people with unbearable religious demands and you never lift a finger to ease the burden. What sorrow awaits you? For you build monuments for the prophets, but your own ancestors killed long ago. But in fact, you stand as witnesses who agree with what your ancestors did. They killed the prophets and you join in their crime by building the monuments. This is what God in his wisdom said about you. I will send prophets and apostles to them, but they will kill some and persecute others. As a result, this generation will be held responsible for the murder of all God's prophets from the creation of the world. From the murder of Abel to the murder of Zechariah, who is killed between the altar and the sanctuary. Yes, it will certainly be charged against this generation. What sorrow awaits you, experts in religious law, for you remove the key to knowledge from the people. You don't enter the kingdom yourselves, and you prevent others from entering. As Jesus was leaving, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees became hostile and tried to provoke him with many questions. They wanted to trap him into saying something they could use against him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, um, you know, I'm going to have to say, I'm, I'm, I have a kind of a new thinking about this passage. And so uh, hopefully it's processed enough to make sense. But I, I used to read this passage almost exclusively in a religious light. Um, but I was recently reading N.T. Wright's uh, Luke for Everyone. And he gives a political spin to this passage that I'm thinking makes an awful lot of sense. Uh, typically, we see this passage as Jesus squaring off against the Pharisees about how we approach God for our salvation. The Pharisees and the religious leaders, they uh, seem to focus upon, upon more and more rules and, and more and more rules to make people clean from the outside. But Jesus is saying that God's grace and truth have to come inside of us in order to transform us. And then cleaning the inside will make the outside uh, clean as well. And there definitely is truth to that reading. But I do think that N.T. Wright is is correct that something bigger is going on at the same time. Uh, when I was in uh, graduate school for theology, I took a class called Intertestamental Judaism. It's this period of history that many of us kind of ignore, but uh, the 400 years between the end of the Old Testament and the beginning of the New, there was a lot going on during that time. And it gives us a context for understanding uh, the context that Jesus is in and squaring off against the Pharisees. 
uh, during this period of time, the, the old kings of glory were long gone. King David, King Solomon, their time was long gone. And in the meantime, Israel had been ruled by a series of uh, invading Gentile powers, all the way from Alexander the Great and those who followed him, and to now where they're under Roman power. Um, and so they were waiting for a political messiah to make Israel great again, something like, you know, King David reborn. That's what they were really hoping for. But in the meantime, they were waging this culture war to keep the people pure. They wanted to keep out all the Greek and Roman influences. And that's why they became so focused on all the little rules about hand washing and Sabbath keeping and circumcision and whether or not you're supposed to tithe the uh, spices in your garden and all of that, that, you know, this passage starts out with. Uh, they were very, very big on taking God's law and then extrapolating from that and extending it to every dimension of life in order to determine who was a true Israelite and who wasn't, who was worthy of God's favor and who wasn't. And so it became not just religion, but it became politics uh, in some ways similar to how politics has become like the new American religion today, where there's an orthodoxy on each side and we use this orthodoxy to uh, vilify the other side so that there's no real chance of dialogue. There's only the possibility of judgment, kind of like the Pharisees are trying to do with Jesus, this path that doesn't lead to peace. Uh, and so in other words, the, the Pharisees were using God's law to kind of create a national uh, purity, determining who was in and out. And Jesus could see where this was going to lead. Uh, in Matthew's gospel, we have similar words, but, Jesus, but we also see the scene where Jesus literally weeps over Jerusalem um, because he knows what's going to happen within a generation, as Jesus says here in verse 52, uh, within a generation, the judgment's going to come for this path that they have chosen. Uh, there's going to be this tremendous violence, which is where this division leads to the point where Jerusalem in AD 70, you know, a generation after Jesus on the cross, uh, Jerusalem will be wiped out. And a generation after that, Israel as a national entity will be wiped out for, for almost mm -hmm. two millennia. And so uh, in this context, I think Jesus is not concerned just with uh, individual salvation, but the kind of national disaster they're about to head into. And he says in verse 50, just before that, as a result, this generation will be held responsible for the murder of all God's prophets from the creation of the world, from the murder of Abel to the murder of Zechariah. So that's the beginning of the Old Testament to the end of the Old Testament in the Jewish reckoning. Um and so they, they act like they are for God and they're for the prophets, but in many ways they're memorializing them for their own ends, but they're silencing the message, the real message of the prophets. So they're in a way keeping the prophets dead while kind of glorifying them for their own kind of uh, culture war or political ends. Um, so in any case, I think we can talk a lot about the religious message um, uh, contained in here. And and I, I think that's definitely there. About, but there is also this, uh, the context that it's occurring in is this kind of unholy marriage between politics and religion, where these people are using God and God's word to then the religious message to create a political hegemony, a political oppression at the same time, uh, dividing people between who's in and who's out, even to the extent of using violence in order to advance their supposedly holy goals, which is exactly how this passage ends, where when they when they get this, you know, direct response from Jesus, their response is, well, I guess we got to kill him. That's not coming from the prophets. That's not coming from uh, God's word in, in, in the uh, Jewish scriptures. That's coming from their own political goals that Jesus doesn't fit 
with their national agenda, with their with their nationalistic agenda, and with their um, desire to you know keep Israel a, a certain version of Israel for themselves. And instead, because Jesus doesn't fit into that goal, uh, they're going to attack him and they're going to kill him. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, Taylor, I'm wondering what you see in this, and and, and you know. Feel free to point out any heresy that I've I've, I've just uttered <laughs> because this is really just fresh in my mind and I'm kind of riffing here. No, I I, I agree with your interpretation and I you know I think we see this dynamic um, play out throughout Scripture. You know, you mentioned circumcision, so I think of like um, you know Paul's exhortation to the church in Galatians, where it's, you know where all of a sudden circumcision has become this this big thing, and you know no faithful Jew would have said, oh, circumcision is like the central piece of Judaism. But you observe, you kind of see this similar dynamic still being wrestled out with not fully, uh, you know, expunged, if you will, uh, from Jewish culture, even amongst Jewish believers. And it's still in the early church where you've got these Judaizers who are saying, well, no, 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 the Gentile believers, they, they've got to be circumcised first. And it's sort of this like rush to the perimeter of the, the kind of the boundaries of the faith. When you feel like you're losing a culture war, all of a sudden the boundaries become yeah. really important. And so I think a couple of things. First of all, I think it's, I, I want to um, approach this from a, from a posture of compassion because I think it's understandable why people in that context, in intertestamental or uh, Second Temple Judaism and intertestamental Judaism specifically, would feel this way. I, I mean, I, I think I would too. You've been conquered by foreign powers, you know, from Alexander the Great to the Seleucids to the Romans. You know, you've been under oppression. I get why you would want, why it would feel like a high and holy calling to preserve your culture and your way of life. I, I get that. Um, and so I, I I think it's easy to judge it, but I, I think it makes sense. Um, I don't think that it means that it, that means that just because we can be compassionate about it, that that necessarily excuses or justifies all the ways uh, that it was manipulated to control people. But I think the impulse is understandable. Um, I mean, we can do that all the time. Ideally, we want our faith to inform our politics but very, very few things in this world are quite as intoxicating as political power. Uh, I mean, how many of us wouldn't take it if it was given to us? And we tell ourselves, well, if I was in charge, the world would run differently, <laughs> you know? But I mean, in, in, in actuality, when we get power, most of us, all of us at some point uh, are going to be really tempted to abuse it. And so, uh, you know, how many of us, I, I know at times it found, I felt like I've had to check my political leanings or my political thoughts and say, hang in a second. Am I like choosing to identify with a tribe politically here, or am I really letting my faith uh, help me discern things subject by subject, context to context, or am I just kind of going all in with an ideology because it's it's so easy to do these days? So I, I do think the spiritual component of this, now this might pertain to our daily lives, uh, is that what Jesus is 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 kind of pushing them really pointedly. I mean, they said like, you've insulted us. So I shouldn't say pushing, he's insulting them. <laughs> he is really going after them. What he's saying is that they've completely missed the spirit of all of this, you know, building the monuments to the image of the, the prophets, but completely missing the message of the prophets and the fact that they're going to kill Jesus or conspire to kill Jesus for calling them to do the same thing the prophets were calling them to do. And, you know, the, the hypocrisy there is unavoidable. And so I think about this as like, they have fallen in love with the law and completely missed the spirit of the law. You know, I, I think it's not that Jesus is saying rules are bad. He's saying you should understand the purpose of the rule. And if you don't understand the purpose of it and you fall in love with the, the, the law itself, you've completely missed the point. 
it, it, it's about what, what is the purpose of the law, which is to help us to love one another, to honor God, to, to care for our neighbors, to pursue justice. And if you can twist the law to avoid those things, you've entirely missed the point. And so like all rules aren't bad. It's do we understand the why? And can we always keep that in front of us as we're thinking about the restrictions that God places on us and asks us to abide by for our benefit and for neighbors flourishing? And that has spiritual implications, that has political implications, and it certainly has personal daily implications as we seek to follow God in our context. So those are my thoughts. Uh, but John, no heresy detected. Not, not here at least. Not that I'm the heresy police. But well, let me, no, let me I give think one any... more attempt then. <laughs> Uh oh, okay. I don't endorse I just, what comes next, folks. <laughs> I, I I just think about um, why Jesus is so stern with them, and I think it's in large part, like looking at the larger context, he knows where this is headed, and he sure. knows how painful the consequences are are going to be. And I, I wonder if there's a warning for us as well. Like it's just so easy mm -hmm. to gain power with our own tribes and popularity with our own mm -hmm. tribes by identifying and vilifying an enemy, even if that enemy is us, right? Like, like we're going to segment a section of us off as as the enemy. It's inevitably what we do in, in culture wars and and religion. You know, Christianity has has cer certain sections of Christianity have fallen all too easily to this, and I, I think. The salvation issues are preeminent, but I just think we're in such a moment that I feel like there's such echoes in Jesus's moment here and, and our moment as well. And I think I fear for the church within our nation and the mission of the church. I think mm -hmm. by being allied to politics, we've, we have run a high risk of being discredited and bringing discredit to Jesus. No argument here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. All right. So before... Um, you get canceled along with me, uh, Taylor. Why don't you close us in prayer? Yeah, yeah, happy to. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we ask that we would receive your truth as an act of love, which is the only spirit in which you speak. Even if we find it offensive, may we find it true. May we listen to you. May we place ourselves under your authority knowing that you desire good things for us and for the world. May we be brave today to repent where we need to repent, to change our ways, to walk in newness of life for your glory and for all of our neighbor's good. All this we pray in your holy and life-giving name. Amen. Amen. Well, may God's peace and God's spirit be with you today. Go in peace.